This episode of The Startup Life is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Startup Nation, Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, they work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis transforming their lives and the future we share. Startup Nation, right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime. It threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring lifelong learning. And for $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. And there's many other ways you can help support Startup Nation. So go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org forward slash savekids. So if you're ready to make a difference, Startup Nation, remember, savethechildren.org. Make the change for children. This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Payoff.com sponsors this episode of The Startup Life. Startup Nation, you've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt. And that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from Payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a Payoff loan may also include a personal credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com forward slash the startup life to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. And if you listen to the replay on the podcast, the link is there in the show notes. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Now all applicants may qualify. 
Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com forward slash the startup life. It's time to be about that life. The startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, with everything going on, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, you know, there are a lot of challenging times uh, ahead. Even if, as we slowly start to open the economy back up, there's still challenging times. And for a lot of business owners, you're feeling it. You're feeling it a lot. But today's guest is going to share with us how challenging times and adversity can actually be your greatest weapon and your greatest strength to coming out of it. He is an acclaimed speaker, entrepreneur, and award-winning three-time CEO, leadership coach, and author. His accomplishments include being named the most admired CEO, named to the top 40 under 40, and being recognized as the Nashville Chamber of Commerce as the Healthcare Entrepreneur of the Year. He is also the author of Great Leaders, Live Like Drug Addicts, How to Lead Like Your Life depends on it. And that book is out today, Startup Nation. He is the one and only Michael Brody Waite. What's up, MBW? How's it going, my man? Hey, man. A lot of people call me MBW. I like it when you do that. I can get used to this. All right, cool. Cool deal. Cool deal. You ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today, my man? Yeah, dude. All right. Totally ready. All right, let's do this. So first things first, man, just kind of share with us your origin story and your background and things of that nature. Sure. So uh, at the age of 23, I was uh, hopelessly addicted to alcohol and drugs. Gotcha. And I'd been kicked out of college. Mm-hmm. I'd been kicked out of my job, my apartment, my car had been repossessed. I was throwing up blood. Mm. and I knew I wouldn't see my 30th birthday and I was ready to die. Gotcha. And then I went to rehab because I didn't have any choice because the place I was sleeping was going to kick me out and I was going to have to live on the street. And I thought I'd be nice to have a roof over my head and three square meals. Of course. I went there just for the roof and I came out with a whole new life. Mm. And what I learned there has become the, entire framework for leadership that I've developed over the last 17 years. And I never thought, I thought I was going to go in there and I would still die. And not only did I learn a new way to live, but I learned a new way to lead. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for for sharing that, man. Because, you know, when I was reading the book, and that's one of the things we were kind of talking off air a little bit, is like that challenging time, you know, you know, know, going through addiction and things of that nature. It really became your strength and it became the impetus for your book. It became the impetus for this amazing uh, entrepreneurial career, man. Let me ask you this in a a follow up question, you know, because like I said, you've you've had this amazing entrepreneurial career. Do you think that you would be as successful as you are now as an entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur if you had not gone through addiction? Absolutely not. Okay. I think that, I think addiction is the reason for my success. So one thing I say to people that they don't understand is I say, I do prayers in the morning. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I thank God for a lot of things. And the first thing I do is I thank God for my addiction before I ever start talking about my recovery. Hmm. Because the thing is, is that as an addict, I have an incentive to live by a set of principles that if I don't, I will die. And I thought that just gave me a new way to live. 
but it gives me a competitive advantage as a leader. I used it in eight years as a corporate executive and leader. I use it as a startup founder where we became an Inc. 500 company and we built what we call a mask-free culture where everybody can be authentic in their true selves. And I led a nonprofit where we helped 2,000 entrepreneurs a year create and launch and grow a business. And the thing that I found was I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have all this other stuff. But I had this way of living that I on, not only did I have a greater incentive to practice this way of life, um, but I had the opportunity to practice it with the other recovering addicts around me. So I, I think that recovery gave me a leadership superpower that most people cannot acquire unless they've been through addiction. I heard that. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this, because you were talking about that just now. What's one of those, you know, because you talked about people, you know, you talk about the addiction, people just want to automatically go to the recovery. What's one of those misconceptions, popular misconceptions that people have about addiction, about about addiction, about recovery or, or even that whole ordeal? Uh, so there's a lot of them. But the one that immediately comes to mind right. is uh, when I met my wife. Mm-hmm. So I met my wife uh, a little over five years ago. Gotcha. And. I told she, you know, I told her about my story and, sure. and at the time I had 12 years clean and then I told her, Hey, I can't hang out with you because I'm, I'm, I have to go to my meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and she started to understand my schedule. She's like, wait a second, you've been off drugs and alcohol for 12 years. Why are you still going to meetings? Mm, right. Aren't you recovered? Right. There is no recovered. The reason that I, I told her, I said, the reason I keep going is because I don't want to stop being clean. And so one of the biggest things people think, and I would have employees, I was very open about my recovery and addiction uh, with my customers, my employees and everybody. And, and I would always refer to myself as a drug addict. And they'd be like, oh, stop it, Mike. You're not a drug addict. And they didn't understand that actually what they're doing is they're reinforcing a stigma. Mm, okay. An, an active drug addict deserves a stigma. When I was out there hurting people, stealing from people, doing whatever it took to stay high. I deserve that stigma. But I know some of the best leaders in the world that I know are sponsors and they are in recovery. And those people are my heroes. And so I am proud to say that I'm a drug addict. And a lot of people don't understand why I keep going to meetings and why I'm proud to call myself a drug addict. And I think that's like, those are two common misconceptions. People think you're just surviving this travesty and they don't realize that for those of us that have real recovery, we believe that we have a superpower in recovery that was born out of the stigma of addiction. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Let me ask you this. Well, Startup Nation, and, and that's why I, I love, uh, you know, Michael's book, Great Leaders Live Like Drug Addicts, because I, I think the one the one word, you know, whether it be the book, our conversation that's already, that just started, and even his TEDx talk, uh, the TEDx Nashville, uh, which is actually one of the uh, the most viewed TEDx Nash uh, talks in Nashville uh, in the TEDx Nashville's history. Uh, the one thing that just resonates and it just jumps off the page in the book now and in that talk is authenticity. That is like mm-hmm. that word just like it just jumps out. It's like it's the one core value uh, that just uh, really kind of resonates uh, with me when I was reading the book and stuff like that. So uh, I want to ask you this, man, because you talk about this story about you uh, trying to get a job at Sam Goody. And that's kind of where all this kind of started a little bit. Kind of share with me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. When I got out of rehab, um, I went to stay at a halfway house. And when I walked in, they told me that I had five business days to get a job mm-hmm. and they, or else they would kick me out. And when I went applying for jobs, I didn't have a college degree. I had a three or four year gap on my resume from using and being in rehab. And so I wasn't getting any callbacks. 
And on day three, I started to worry. And on day three, I got a call for a place called Sam Goody. And for Startup Nation, for those of you out there that remember <laughs> Sam Goody, you can you know that Goody's got it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But for those of you that are younger, you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about because it's a place you used to go to buy music and now you can just get it through Spotify. I used to, I used to live so, in Sam Goody. No lie. <laughs> dude. Every, every Tuesday, I lived in Sam Goody. No lie. Man, you know what? Uh, and if you ever pull the CD out of the end cap and put it somewhere else, I'm the one that had to go reorganize that. Um, so, right. so anyhow, so I go in for this, uh, or I get called for a job interview there. It's the only one that I've got. So it's my only shot at staying in the halfway house and staying off the street. And I'm thinking about that three-year gap. And I call my sponsor and I'm like, hey, what do I tell them when they ask me about this? And he told me to tell them the truth. And I was like, dude. I cannot tell them that I am a drug addict that is in a halfway house that needs this job in order to stay with a roof over his head. Right. I need to tell him something slicker than that. And that's when he said, like, dude, are you committed to this way of life? And, and so there are three principles that I learned in recovery. The first one is practice rigorous authenticity. The second one is surrender the outcome. And the third one is do uncomfortable work. And when you practice those three principles together, what that really means is take the mask off your face the figurative mask that people wear when they hide their true selves in professional situations, mm. surrender what's going to happen as a result and do work that makes you uncomfortable because you know, it's going to help you survive. And for me in that situation, I wasn't trying to get a job. I was trying to stay clean. And so when I pushed back on my sponsor, he said, dude, this is about whether you want to stay clean. This is not about the job and it's not about the halfway house. You got to let all that go. You got to be true. And right. I went in there and I was honest with the guy about my three-year gap, even though I wanted to lie and tell him I was writing a book or traveling or helping needy children or something other than what was happening. And at the end of that interview, he said, when can you start? And that's when I realized that, you know, most people that are out there in Startup Nation, I hope that you're not an addict, but we can all relate to thinking that there's a part of us that is the worst part about us. Mm. And that is the last thing that we want to share in the professional domain, let alone a job interview where it's the only one that you have. And if you don't get it, you're going to be out on the street. Right. And when I was forced to put that stuff to the test, that's when I learned that 99% of the worst things that ever happened to me happened only in my head. And I actually can be authentic in all situations. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, and when you read the book, Startup Nation, it, it's just a powerful read. It's a powerful read. Uh, and, and it and it and it gives, I think, interesting perspective on leading and leadership and things of that nature. So I uh, just want to say definitely thank you for writing the book for sure. And that book is now. Thanks, no worries. No worries. And that book is available now, Startup Nation. If you are listening to the replay of the podcast, the link is there in the show notes uh, for easy access. Or you can also get that uh, from michaelbrodywaite.com. We have the link there in the show notes for easy access as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Greatleaderbook.com. That's correct, right? Greatleaderbook.com. Right? Either, yeah, either one will get you okay. there. All right, cool deal. Just want we there's they're both there, Startup Nation. So there's no way to miss it. There's no excuses for not purchasing <laughs> the book. Uh, for sure, I will hunt you down and find you, he and will I will click it into your browser there yourself, you uh, myself. There you go. For sure, appreciate that, man. For sure. So let me ask you this, man, because one of the things that uh, you definitely talk about a lot is this approach or this doctrine about being mass free, the mass free movement. And I want to read a quote from the book really quickly. It says, quote, mass leaders create mass cultures. Uh, and, and so just kind of dive into 
into that a little bit. What, what are you trying to convey to the audience when you say that about mass leaders and mass cultures? Yeah. Uh, so just one disclaimer sure. with the current situation with the pandemic, I'm talking about figurative masks, not physical masks. Of course, of keep course, your physical mask oh, on. Please do startup. Nation. Please <laughs> yes. Keep the physical mask on for sure. Go ahead. my man. So, so for, for centuries, we have actually inherited command and control leadership where we expect an, a, a general on the battlefield or a CEO of a corporation to be more than human, to never admit their weaknesses, never admit what they don't know, not share their vulnerabilities and insecurities and they're supposed to be a superhero, but that's not realistic. And so the problem is, is that they're wearing a mask, hiding their true self. They hide the weaknesses. They hide the vulnerabilities. They are not willing to say, I don't know, and ask for help and all these sorts of things. And the thing is, is that every drug addict can relate to that because we wore masks too, mm-hmm. to hide ourselves, to get what we wanted. The difference is, is that we were hiding our true selves in order to get high and leaders hide themselves because they think that because of the leaders that came before them, they think they have to hide their true selves mm. in order to be successful. That means if the boss's boss is in the room, you don't say, I don't know. Or if you're an entrepreneur and a customer asks you, have you ever done that before? You don't say, I don't know. Or if uh, the investor says, hey, you know, what are you going to do about this particular thing? And you say, you know what, we're actually working on that, but we haven't figured out what are your thoughts. There are so many times where we think that we have to pretend that we have all the answers and that actually holds us back from truly being successful. And so living to learning to live and lead mask free is something that gives you a tremendous amount of time, energy, and, and, and overall success because what it helps you do is identify all these different places where hiding yourself stops you from actually being successful. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. You know, Startup Nation, when you read the book, and you're going to get to a, a certain point where you're going to learn about these three these three principles uh, that Michael talks about all the time. And it honestly is the core of the book. It's practice rigorous authenticity. We talked about that. Surrender the outcome, which I thought was very interesting. And also do uncomfortable work we kind of talked about the authenticity but kind of talked about a little bit more about surrendering the outcome and doing uncomfortable work yeah so and actually just for startup nation so for those of you out there that are that are not an addict or a leader or an entrepreneur trying to figure things out what i've learned in my research and in coaching people is that there are four masks that hold every individual team and organization back right specific masks that we wear so the first one is say yes when you could say no The second one is hide a weakness. The third one is avoiding difficult conversations. And the fourth one is holding back your unique perspective. And 90% of leaders, I've assessed thousands, do these on a regular basis. And so when we talk about these three principles, the first step is the same thing that a drug addict has to do. You cannot get to recovery if you don't identify that you have a problem. So the first step in practice rigorous authenticity is the first principle is to identify the mask that's holding you back. And so that could be, you know, for the say no or say yes versus say no, that could be saying yes to customized software Mm. that you don't want to build for a customer. Um, That could be saying yes to meetings and projects and, and other types of requests that you know you could say no to. Hiding a weakness for me as CEO of my startup when I realized I had no idea what I was doing and I was in too deep, my uh, there was a voice in my head that said, I can't let my team know. And it's actually being able to share your weakness that actually allows you to grow. But there's that, that, that mask that we want to wear. Difficult conversations, that can be with a boss, that can be with a customer, that can be with your significant other employees, performance management, 
This is everywhere. And entrepreneurs are the best at actually representing your unique perspective, but they're always challenged to create cultures in which everybody that's underneath them is able to represent their unique perspective. And so what you can do is you take these principles and principle one is saying, what's the mask? And then what is true to me? What would I say no? Would I share the weakness? Would I have the difficult conversation? And then the biggest step is step two, is, is principle two. And that's surrender the outcome. Every leader in the world is taught to achieve outcomes, not how to surrender them. But when we surrender them, we take all the energy that we use on things that we cannot control, focusing on things that we cannot control, and we shift over exclusively to the things that we can, and it's about reclaiming energy. And when you're clear about the mask and you're, and you're able to reclaim energy, you're able to do uncomfortable work. And the thing is, is that in the business world, we are taught how to do smart and hard work. That's physical and intellectual. We are not taught how to do uncomfortable work. Those are physical sensations in our bodies that act as deterrents from us taking action that is good for us. We have all seen someone doing eight hours of hard work, avoiding five to 10 minutes mm, of uncomfortable work. Facts. And, <laughs> So those three, th those three principles work together where the first one creates clarity. Okay, this is what mask I'm wearing. The second one harvests energy. Okay, now I have a lot of energy to go do the uncomfortable things. And the third one is, what are all the things that we're not doing? Like, dude, I mean, I don't know about you, but like there's a ton of uncomfortable work that everybody doesn't do every day. Right. Are you eating healthy in every meal? Right. Are you working out six times a day just like The Rock? Right. Are, you, are, you, are you staying on your cell phone around your children? Are you spending money that you don't have? Like, we all have things that we do that, that drive uncomfortable work, and there are systems for how we can do those things. But there isn't a system uh, until this book for how to live and lead mask-free. There isn't a system, but there actually is the the origin of one in the 12 step program that I came out of. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Another quote that just resonates me with me, started mentioning as uh, Michael was talking just now, uh, quote, the hard times present an opportunity to demonstrate our commitment to a mass free society in a way that isn't possible in the good times. It, it, it's just fascinating how, you know, we always lament like challenging times and adversity when honestly, you know, I mean, think about it. Right. And, you know, uh, the, the parent company for the startup life is Alice LLC, which is an education consulting firm. And one of the things that we talked about when we're uh, consulting with school districts and nonprofits and stuff like that, one of the things we talk about is that, like, there's not a superhero that didn't go through some type of trauma, you know, before, but mm -hmm. then before they came a superhero. Yep. Right. It's like you need that struggle. You need that challenge. And, you know, something like, you know, going through, a, a, you know, the addiction and stuff like that can definitely be something where you turn it into a superpower. And you clearly have done that, uh, Michael. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. But I think honestly, throughout this whole conversation, I appreciate your transparency. Thanks, man. No worries. No worries. And, and speaking of transparency, there's a story, you know, when you uh, started in quicker where you were getting ready to have a deal to get your your health care uh, services in you know, 50 hospitals. But there was an issue that came up with one particular patient where your transparency and your authenticity really kind of cemented the deal. Kind of share with us a little bit about that. So uh, it was 2010 and I left a cushy Fortune 50 career. To co-founding Quicker, our mission was to reinvent access healthcare by allowing patients to digitally self-schedule appointments online, 30 seconds to left for a mobile device. Mm -hmm. I still remember how to say it. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we didn't we didn't have anything that was going for us. Okay, we didn't have investors. It was the height of the recession. We only had, we maxed out our credit cards. 
our savings accounts, withdrew from our 401ks. None of us had been entrepreneurs before. I never worked in healthcare before. We didn't have any patents. We didn't have anybody working with us that had taken a startup past a million in revenue or even more. And so we had the odds stacked against us and we took all the credit card and the savings and we were able to bootstrap for like six to 12 months. And we got this large contract opportunity that was going to help fund the next stage of growth and take us from thousands in revenue to millions. And we worked like for weeks and months on landing this deal. And I remember they called us one night in November, 2010, and they said, we're going to expand this in all 50 hospitals. And not only that, we're going to do $3 million in advertising in our markets, which for us, since we didn't have an advertising budget, was so huge. Mm-hmm. And we were so ecstatic. That's probably the closest I've gotten to feeling high since I've been clean. Gotcha. I was that excited about it. The next day, we find out that a patient had had actually been able to, um, had been negatively impacted by our software one patient at one hospital. And so when we found out, I was like, dude, please do not let this be the hospital that just said they're expanding to 50 different hospitals and they're going to take us to millions in revenue. <laughs> and, and there was a, dude, there was a one in seven chance. Right. And it was the hospital. Of course it And was. we were contractually, of course, that's, that's <laughs> right. I didn't know it, but uh, apparently we were writing a story so I could tell it here and in the book. But there you go. At the top, at the time, it was really scary because it, we knew that if we were contractually obligated to tell the customer within 24 hours, we knew if we told them they would cancel the contract, um, the expansion, cancel their contract, we would lose our references and we would run out of money and go bankrupt. Mm. And I had people on my team that were pressuring me not to tell them because the patient wasn't negatively impacted and the hospital didn't know. So they were like, we can just fix the software. And nobody will know and will learn. And they're not negatively impacted anyhow, so there's no reason to ruin this company. Mm. And I had to really figure out, okay, what what am I going to do here? And the truth is I had no experience as a startup founder, but I had eight years of experience as a recovering addict. Right. And so I practiced rigorous authenticity. I surrendered the outcome and I did uncomfortable work. And that meant that I had to be real about what happened. I had to surrender what would happen to me and my company. And I did the uncomfortable work of calling the customer And when I told them, they started laughing at me, which I took as a really bad sign. (laughs) And then when I asked, why are you laughing at me? Uh, She said, when I get a call like this, it's because someone has negatively impacted 20,000 patients, not one. I know I have tons of partners where they would have never called me and told me this. And I was like, okay, what does that mean for the expansion? And she said, dude, if anything, this makes me want to do more business with you and go faster because now I know I can trust you. And not only did we not lose the business, but we were able to use that as a story that we told future customers and every single employee that came to work for us to tell them what we were about. And as a result, the way that we did business was very, very different. And the way that we did uh, acted internally as a company was very, very different because we lived and led mask-free and we had a mask-free culture and that became our competitive advantage. Got you. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Michael Brody Waite, the author of Great Leaders Live Like Drug Addicts, How to Lead Like Your Life Depends on It. Once again, you can get that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get uh, your favorite books. And once again, if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, the link is there in the show notes for easy access. Brody, I want, I mean, Michael, I want to ask you this, man, because, you know, and and I guess I want to get your take on it. 
you know, a, as you share with us your story and being transparent and stuff like that. And, as you know, you know, there's a kind of a move around the country, depending on what state you you go in about legalizing marijuana. Right. And, yep. and so I, I guess I'm curious, you know, about your take and your commentary on that, because we, we've had people who've been uh, on the show who's you know in the cannabis space, in the marijuana space. Uh, but we've never had somebody with your background kind of give your commentary on it, because I imagine you have a very different and unique take on it. So kind of give your take on how you feel about that. It's a good move. Just just kind of talk about it a little bit. Sure. So uh, first of all, back when I was using, I would have loved it. Um, but gotcha. now that I'm now that I'm clean, it doesn't affect me personally. You know, I, I, um, real quick, I, I have to admit yeah. that I, I love how you 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 know, and, and this is just really goes to show once again, startup nation, the authenticity. I hate to cut you off, but I, I want to make this point that you really own your story. Like you're able to poke fun at yourself and stuff like that. Uh, but not in a, like a, you know, like a terrible way, or, but just like in a very self-deprecating, but also kind of teaching moment. I just want to say, I very much admire that, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry about that, man. Oh no, you're good. Uh, I'm always okay with people cutting me off to give me a compliment, man. I will let that happen for days. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I appreciate that. I think, I think that when you really work hard on your recovery, it becomes the best thing about you and it's okay. Sure. to own it. And sure. one of the things when I find myself like swearing in a situation where I feel like I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. I always apologize and I say, I'm sorry. I hang out with a bunch of drug addicts and we're just happy we're not smoking crack. So we don't <laughs> think about whether we're swearing or not. Um, so I apologize for that. No um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, so legalizing marijuana. Right. So here, here's what, here's what I believe. Okay. Um, and I'm not speaking on behalf of all recovering addicts, just, just for myself. Sure. I, I personally did drink a lot of alcohol, smoked a lot of weed, and did a bunch of other drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as alcohol is legal, uh, I, I don't understand why marijuana can't be. Um, I think one of the arguments people will make is that it is a quote-unquote gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And at least that's what they were saying when I was coming up. And right. what I would say is two things to that. Number one, alcohol is a gateway drug. That was my gateway drug. Um, and then number two, when you really think about what is a gateway drug— at the end of the day, it's something that helps us incorporate a new behavior pattern where we use a substance to numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in our current climate, everybody has the gateway drug. Everybody has a gateway drug. It's in their pocket. It's called a mobile device. Fair enough. Everybody has a gateway drug. Fair so enough. now I'll tell you, I personally would prefer that they didn't legalize it just because I'm not used to being around it. Fair enough. I'm used to being around alcohol. Right. But philosophically, I think that, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a political dude, but just as a recovering addict, sure. I, I just, I, I think it's as long as alcohol is legal, we already tried as a nation to outlaw alcohol. I'm not advocating for that either. Right. And, and one of the, one of the things I'll tell anyone, it's like, well, wait, why, why would you say that? Don't, you don't want to relapse, do you? I know plenty of people that can be bartenders and not drink right. and not use drugs if they are committed to their recovery, nothing can make us use. So as a result, I'm pretty cool with whatever uh, anyone else wants to do. You know, quick follow up, you know, if, if I may, because at the end of your TED talk, right, I, I can kind of see that you were kind of getting a bit emotional because it was at a point where, and I, and I hear mm-hmm. in our conversation now where you're advocating for people who go through that. One of my favorite songs on uh, Macklemore's The Heist is Neon Cathedral. And yep. where he kind of shares like that, that story and stuff like that kind of talk about, you know, 
why that's important to you, you know, for obvious reasons, but I want to hear it in your voice. Why is it important to you to advocate for those people who are, you know, going through recovery and, and things of that nature? I'm really grateful for that question. And I'm a huge fan of Macklemore. Um, I, the highest was one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh, for sure. The, uh, so really the, the, there is a, there is an, uh, a, Co- a covert agenda that I have in the message that I'm carrying. Okay. I am teaching people how to be great leaders, For sure. but the most important thing that I want to be able to carry is the message that an addict, any addict can stop using, lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. I hear that anyone. And I've seen so many people that thought it could never happen for them and they didn't know it was possible. And so many of us in recovery hide the fact that we're addicts. And right. so we limit our ability to show that hope. And so if I can take my story, lean into it and be able to share it and it helps one person stay clean, that is a whole new thing for me. But here's the other thing. There are addicts carrying that message, but here's the message no one ever gave me. No one ever told me that recovery was more than something that stopped something bad. Mm. People see recovery as the thing that neutralizes addiction. No one ever told me that it would be the best thing about me. No one ever told me that it would be, it would give me a professional superpower. That would be the reason that I would get an Inc 500 award. No one ever told me that it would be the reason that people trusted me over other competitors. No one get, no one ever told me any of that. They just said, you won't suck anymore. They never said this can be the best thing about you. This can be something that you've wanted your entire life. And right now there, I know tons of recovering addicts that walk around and they compartmentalize what they have to do to be successful professionally and what they have to do in order to recover from addiction. And my message to them is what you are doing in the rooms of the 12-step programs or whatever you do for recovery, that is like Mr. Miyagi teaching you how to do karate and you just don't know it. Right. You think you're sanding the floor, painting the fence, if you remember that movie at all. Right. And in and in and in truth, you're learning how to be a great leader because the best leaders in this world are sponsors. Mm. They are the best leaders. They're better than coaches, executive coaches, and CEOs. And so you're not just have an opportunity to live without the use of alcohol and drugs. You have the opportunity not just to thrive. I mean, not just to survive, but to thrive. Right. And no one's carrying that message. And so that's the one that I'm really trying to carry. You can't tell I get hyped about it at all. Can um, you? No, not at all. I couldn't, no, <laughs> you know, and, and my, my, uh, eyes didn't well up at all. Not at all. Not, not, not even a little bit, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I can, de- but well, I guess what I'm saying is, man, I can definitely tell that like this, this is important to you, this message. Uh, and, and I wanted to, I, and thank you for allowing me to ask that because I wanted to, I felt it was there. And so I wanted to ask that. And I thought it was an important message to get out because look, there's a lot of people who are, are, are going through a lot of stuff right now. And there may be some right now due to COVID-19 to maybe, you know, going down the path of, you know, you know, addiction or wherever the case may be. Yep. They need to hear yep. that. And you're absolutely right. We always hear one narrative, but we don't hear the narrative that you just talked about so i appreciate all of that my man and your transparency for sure thanks dude no worries all right startup nation so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break we gotta pay some bills once again my name is dominic lawson and you're listening to the startup life
This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all-new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code the Startup Life in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything go with manscape trust me your family of jewels will thank you all right startup nation welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on the startup life so you know on, on a lighter note i, w- I want to ask you this man talk about authenticity and transparency so when i'm looking at the ted talk man i think you're the only person ever i've seen to have give a ted talk <laughs> in flip-flops so so kind so, of walk me through that man did anybody say anything about that Oh, dude, the flip-flops. So first of all, I have really ugly feet. They are jacked up, dude. So like it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a whole other test of authenticity. So, um, being from California, I don't know. I always wore flip-flops. Uh, and then when I became an entrepreneur and I could set my own dress code, I would wear like, um, nice pants and a dress shirt and I don't even wear that anymore, but in flip-flops and it was just part of my attire. And when I, went to go do the TED talk. I was kind of known in Nashville for a guy that wears flip-flops from a business perspective, which I don't care about. But like one of the things that I realized was this is going to be on a global stage. Mm-hmm. And I actually got scared of wearing flip-flops for my TED talk. And I, and I, and I had some people tell me, dude, you can't do that. And so I started asking some of the people that are in recovery that are my closest friends. And, and, and they were like, wait a second, isn't your whole talk about authenticity? There you go. And I was like, oh Yeah. And they're like, so you don't really have a choice, do you? And I was like, no, I really don't. And so I went up there on flip-flops. And the most interesting thing is is that I've there are all these comments on the TED Talk. And the number one thing that people talk about usually is the (laughs) flip-flops. 
What most people don't realize is I had something I wanted to say at the very beginning of my talk and I totally messed it up. Mm. Nobody, no, like if you're out there and you can relate to this where you think you messed something up and no one else notices, no one noticed that I messed up what I wanted to say at the beginning of my TED talk. And we got 1.5 million views or whatever it is now. Right. But everybody's talking about my flip-flops because some people like them, some people don't. And everybody's got an opinion. And that's true. Everybody's going to have an opinion right. on what you think. The question is, can you lead yourself? Can you be your true self no matter what? And those TED talk, those flip-flops became symbolic of it. I even had a, like a, a lady that's like a professional speaker bureau person yeah. like call me and say, that was one of the best talks I ever heard. But do you want a suggestion? I was like, sure. She's like, don't ever do another talk in flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I can't believe we're talking about my feet this much. You should right. be more upset at the calluses on my feet, right. not the fact that I'm wearing flip flops. But right. but I, I would imagine in not in in not wearing the flip flops, you're putting the mask back on again, and like that's not exactly place, that's not a place you want to be. So I definitely get, I love the flip flops. By the way, I thought it was fantastic. You know because oh uh, you want you want to hear a piece of irony though please do. I wear uh, yeah. I wear reef flip flops and reef flip flops have a bottle opener built into the bottom <laughs> I didn't know about this back when I would slam eighteen beers a day um, and, I'm sorry and so like I have to, that, that, I have that, to find that's hilarious I have to find non alcoholic beverages that have tops right. that require a bottle opener just so I can fully utilize the flip flops it's crazy <laughs> that's hilarious. That, that is hilarious. Thank you for sharing that. Once again, we're talking to Michael Brody Waite, the author of Great Leaders Live Like Drug Addicts, uh, for sure. So I want to ask you this, man. You can go to uh, Startup Nation, michaelbrodywaite.com, where not only can you uh, order the book, but you can also uh, book speaking engagements and have workshops and stuff like that. He's fantastic in that. So kind of walk us through some of your, your workshops that you do with people and leadership and things of that nature based on these, these principles that you share in the book. Sure. So uh, the thing that I learned, the thing that I really appreciate about recovery is, um, let me take a step back. There are a lot of people that have books and Ted talks about concepts that are really inspiring. Right. And I know that people will watch those get inspired. And then a month later, nothing's changed. Mm. Most people can relate to that. They read a book, they get excited, nothing's changed. And so one of the things I discovered was when I started trying to teach my employees different things that were somewhat easy for me because of recovery, they were like, I don't even know how to do this. And what I realized was in order to recover from addiction, we needed a step-by-step -step process that allows anyone from any education level, any socioeconomic level, any language, any country or whatever, a foolproof way that if you follow these steps, you'll be able to not use drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so if you can take a drug addict and get them to stop using drugs for, for me for like 17 years, and I know people with like 30 years and more, then surely we must be able to develop a step-by-step -step system that allows people to live and lead mask-free. Because up until this point, people offer inspiration around authenticity, but we don't, I mean, when was the last time you heard a politician answer a question with, I don't know? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have that in right. leadership. So in my, in my book, and then even more in my workshops and my coaching programs, I take people through a process that allows them to step-by-step -step figure out how to live and lead mask-free. And it's all about applying these principles. And basically what we do is we build what we call a 28-day mask-free action plan mm. where you work principle one, two, and three. You put them on this small card. So people leave like workshops with like these big binders that they find in the garage and they go, oh, I should have done that. 
we give people a five by seven laminated card that they have to put somewhere and they have to execute what we call the mask free minute. And what that means is every day for, so for one minute a day, you can take your masks off one minute a day. They read the card. So I have people that put it in front of their mirror when they're brushing their teeth, people that put it in their book because they read every night on top of the remote, on top of their bed pillow, like wherever in their cube, in their visor, in their car. I've got, we got them everywhere. And the goal is you literally just read it. Mm. And what happens is what we call automatic growth because it creates awareness. And that awareness psychologists will tell you is the key to growth. But the problem is, is that, like I said, People have been talking about authentic leadership for years. We don't have authentic leaders. And it's because we haven't acknowledged that, A, we have an addiction problem to the mask. Right. It's an addiction problem. We need a recovery tool. And no one's given us a step-by-step process. And so that's what I take people through in my workshops and my coaching programs. And it's really designed to be something that they live and they do every 28 days. If they do this right, they'll be doing a mask-free minute for the rest of their lives. But one minute a day to be able to reclaim 500 hours a year of your time, to be able to have the freedom of being your true self, right. to be able to accelerate your skill set growth, all those sorts of things is a very, very small cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that as well, for sure. So let me ask you this, man. Once again, that website is michaelbrodyweight.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast, I want to ask you this, man, what's something that, you know, as you know, because you've become a sponsor as well and you have the coaching part and the workshops and stuff like that. What's something that somebody has, you know, whether in a workshop or somebody you have sponsored has taught you on your path of entrepreneurship, on your path of leadership or just something in general that you have found profound in uh, building what you do? Oh, man, uh, there are so many examples. I think the so there are so many people that have gone through this process with me. Right. Um, and I think the most important thing that I've learned, I'll give you a specific example. Um, we have a small team um, and there's a person on our team named Brooke. And and she believes in the mask free program and, and the things that we're teaching. She's been to the workshop. She helps deliver a lot of this stuff with me. And we just had a conversation related to the challenges uh, financially around um, what's going on with COVID and our business because we, we had a lot of speaking revenue and a lot of that is, you know, different now and it's changed. And one of the things that she uh, pointed out was we have been talking about what's going to happen starting in July for our business. And she said, for two weeks, uh, you didn't say anything about what was going on. And I said, well, I, I didn't say anything because I was trying to figure it out. Right. And she said, yeah, but it would have been so helpful if you just told me that you didn't know. So here I am, the guy that's trying to be the leader, that is the leader of the mass free movement. Right. And one of the things that I say in my book is that you can't do this on your own. You need other people around you. And so the reason that I'm creating the mass free movement is not necessarily just to change the world. It's because I want to be a member. And so when she was able to point out that I was wearing the mask of hiding a weakness, that I didn't know as the leader what we are going to do, it just affirmed for me that I need a society of mask-free leaders around me doing their work and then telling me what they see so that I can keep my masks off. Because no matter how much I teach people this, no matter how much I write the book and I do all the stuff, I need it myself. And it's the people that are living this that are able to teach me. And I've had people go through the process that start uh, started working 15 hours less a week 
I had someone that had a five minute conversation that saved them $72,000 in expenses. Mm. I mean, I've, I had somebody that, that did five minutes of uncomfortable work that saved her 20 hours on a project and identified a $5 million opportunity for a customer. And I had someone who went through my 28 day program on a 28 day, quit her corporate career and started a business because she realized that she'd been holding back a unique perspective and I need to see their stories or I will stop living mine. Mm, that's powerful stuff. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that, man. Now, not everybody's willing to admit that. Like, like you said, you're 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 the leadership coach. You're the leadership guru. And in that moment, you was kind of kind of put the mask on a little bit. And so, yeah, dude. When did you see Tony Robbins get up in front of five thousand people and start working his own program on himself? Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, like all the people that are going to help fix you, they don't show you what they're doing. And that's why I say sponsors are the best leaders in the world. And that's right. why I'm committed to building an authentic brand. It's because sponsors share their wins and their victory or their wins and their losses equally with their sponsees so that their sponsees can observe how they lead themselves through Trump uh, triumph and through challenges. Absolutely. And that's the key. Most leaders want to hide the challenges and advertise the wins. And so if I'm going to be the leader of the mastery movement, I'm going to have to eat my own dog food. Absolutely. No, that, that's fair. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to the sponsor and sponsee relationship, I think in doing so, it, it, uh, it, uh, creates this level of relatability, uh, for the sponsee, but also for the sponsor to let you know, like, you know, let, let's the sponsee also see from the sponsor, uh, that I'm still going through this too. I'm still kind of, yes. you know, I, I'm still, you know, it's almost kind of like how you were talking about the recovery as well it's like it's an ongoing yes. process there is no there is no i've made it there is no i'm cured there is no i'm the leadership goat uh, there's nothing else i can learn i gotta just impart all this wisdom it's like this constant spiral continuous learning and i love it i love it mbw thank you for sharing that my man thanks dude no i appreciate that no worries no worries so uh, i want to ask you this man tell me you know tell me about your family tell me about how important they've been uh on you know, on your path to recovery you know in supporting you in your business adventures and things of that nature so uh which my nuclear family or or my, or my now new nuclear family whoever you want to share with man it doesn't matter to um me. so my my parents mm -hmm. uh were the best gift they ever gave me was rehab okay. and Fair and enough. and basically uh, as close to an intervention as you can get to sure um and and i was very grateful for that and so they've always been really supportive and then uh, my family, we call it my 12-step program family. We call it family of choice. Mm -hmm. They they have been my greatest level of support and love and uh, some of my best advisors, even though a lot of them don't know business, uh, because they would advise me spiritually through the principles as opposed to through the business lens. And it would help me really make good decisions. And so they've always been there. And then I was really fortunate to find uh, my best friend and my wife and marry her and we've been together for nice. um, almost six years and we have a daughter her name uh, is amaret and she is almost 16 months and we are pregnant with our next and oh, the really cool talk. thing is Congratulations, th thank you <laughs> my my wife is one of the things is she's one of the most authentic people i know okay. she has no tolerance for masks whatsoever so pretty much she was going to die alone or with me like, like that, those were her only choices basically. Like, because she, she didn't like all the other dudes she dated because they, they would wear a mask. And so she's actually part, she helped write the Ted talk with me, like help me refine my message. She helped me write the book. She's a, she's the COO of our company Very and nice. she finds a way to be a mother and an incredible wife. And so they've been 
incredibly, incredibly supportive. I hear that. Let, let me ask a quick follow-up question, man. So, you know, you say your, your daughter is, you know, 16 months old, correct? Yep. Okay. And, and you have one on the way as they get older, right? You know, you know, how, what is that? Cause I, I, cause I feel like you're going to have to share that story, this that, and the other, you know, and you know, I, I guess what I want to ask is what do you hope they gain from your story? as you're sharing with them because i mean there's one is one thing for like me come on the show talk about it it's another thing for like a sponsor a sponsee and stuff like that but when you're talking about your kids man you know who always are going to see you as that super that superstar that you know that hero especially you talking about dads and daughters man let's be honest uh you know (laughs) what do you hope to kind of impart as far as the wisdom in your journey and stuff like that dude that's a great question because here's the thing that i have to live with Mm -hmm. um i am I am a carrier of the addiction gene. If there is, if there is one, I'm not a scientist. Fair enough. And, and so there's a chance that my, um, my daughter or my son will be, uh, carrying that. And so the thing that I have to realize is the way that I can serve them is by owning my story because in my story, they're able to see the challenge and addiction for what it is. You know, my parents, told like my parents told me hey your dad was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and so whatever you do don't use alcohol and drugs well if you are concerned that your child has the gene for addiction the last thing you want to do is tell an addict don't use drugs and alcohol because then we'll become obsessed with using drugs and alcohol right. and so when i see people parent parents raise their children and the parent is the addict the best thing they can do is just share their story of the addiction and the recovery. Mm. So the child has the information to make a different decision. And so I hope that my daughter can see what my addiction was and can see what my recovery is and how I live. And then also when it comes to living mask free, that she can see not only that I lived mask free, but I'm going to have to live that with her where I'm going to have to share my weaknesses and my challenges in that superhero role. I'm going to have to be real with her and help create a space where she's able to develop the skill of living mass free as well by watching my um, example and also participating in our household. And my hope is she's going to have to make her own decisions in her life. But what I really hope is that by by willing to own the things that make me imperfect in both my addiction and mass story, that I hope that I equip her with the information and tools that allows her to own hers. I hear that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that transparency. I wanted to ask you that uh, because I imagine it, you know, uh, it, it, it can be probably a bit difficult when you talk about kids and stuff like that, man. But I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Yeah, man. And also, by the way, you're going to have to check back on me because she's 16 months. So like everything I'm saying right now is talk. We'll see if I walk Fair enough. when she's 10 or 15 with my son. Fair like enough. hopefully I live what I just said. I, I think I will. Absolutely. Doing the uncomfortable work. Definitely understand. Yes. That. Doing the uncomfortable work. Definitely understand that for sure. So, man, I, I, I want to ask you this, man, even though I, I kind of feel like I know what it is, but I want to hear your words because we asked this of, of all of our guests that come on the show. Uh, what's your entrepreneurial superpower? Is it a cop out if I say leading mass free? No. That's your okay. story, man. Go for it. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, so so here's the deal. When I was CEO of our company and I didn't know what I was doing. I was so tempted to not tell my people. And yet I went to them and said, guys, we just got all this exposure and I don't know what to do with it. I have an email signature that says I'm CEO, but I'm like a little kid in a suit. I have no idea what I'm doing. Hmm. 
what are your thoughts? And they, and they found a place with mentors and I got one. Hey, Startup Nation. So today's content ran a bit over and I don't want to get in trouble with my radio partners. So go to the startuplifepodcast.com and catch the bonus content from today's episode. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.